Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for this day and for the ability to come together to study your word. May we grow in your word and in your spirit to help and be of service to you and to all people. In your holy name we pray. Amen. All right, if you didn't get, anybody did not get this handout, I have a whole bunch of handouts in the back. It's a little article here that we're going to go over. It's going to relate back to where we left off. I mentioned that I wish I had this article last week. Um, it's an article I found, I believe, around December of um, this last December here. So let's go ahead and open up to 1 John chapter 3. Specifically, we're going to talk here about this uh, section from verse 11 down. But I want to focus for just a second about, uh, from verse 16 down to 18. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brothers in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. You know, from last week we talked, that's kind of a tall order to, to put up. It's not always easy to love, and it's definitely not always easy to work in deed and truth. But we talked a little bit about what all that meant. And then there was, as I said, this article is exactly what it reminded me of. And so I would like to, to share with you this. It starts, we meet homeless people nearly every day on life's path. People who are often contemptuously called bums. We see them at the train station, near the subway, in town squares and parks, and of course at the churches asking for money. Each time we see them, our hearts deliberately, painfully, deliberate painfully over the question, should we give them alms or not? Then other questions immediately arise. How much? How should we give them? Is there any sense in giving them at all? One thing that we should, I should address here straight up is he will always refer to the gifts given as alms. He never talks about it as a gift. He never talks about it because when you mention alms, you have a spiritual connection to it. Think Matthew chapter 6. What does Jesus say? When you give alms, by the way, Jesus says, when you give alms. He says, what, what does he say about that? Do you go out blowing the trumpet ahead of you and telling everybody you're about to go? In fact, what does he say about right hand and left hand? You don't even let the other hand know, you don't even let the other hand know about it. So that's one thing that uh, when the word alms, especially in Christian living, should direct our thoughts back to Jesus and back to the gospel. And that's a very smart move on this, uh, on this author's part. By the way, this author is a Russian uh, proto-presbyter in Moscow, uh, and somebody translated the article. So sometimes some of the wording doesn't sound all that great. Well, he's Russian, so, you know, you've got to cut him a little bit of slack. Um, and I don't know Russian, so I can't really translate it that well. So... What we got is what we got. He continues on, People are generally divided into two groups. The first are those who give according to their means to all, without thinking about it or asking any questions, following the Lord's words, Give to him that asketh thee, and from him who would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Matthew 5.42. Again, he goes back to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, those areas, because that's where Jesus addresses this. The second group is of those who we do not give money to bums, considering that we mustn't indulge the bum mafia, for we participate in their sin of drunkenness and sponging, lying, etc. 
by giving money to them. These people are ready to fulfill Christ's commandment and are willing to help people, but only those who really need help. Truly no one who would give in anyone money for a rope to hang himself, no matter how tearfully or insistent he begs it. The rope could be a bottle of liquor which strangles the neck of the beggar each day with increasing strength or the rope of lies that you would indulge by giving money. There are hundreds and thousands of such ropes, and there's also hundreds and thousands of such ropes in our own lives. This is kind of what John talked about back in chapter 1 and chapter 2, not walking in the darkness, staying in the light. There's thousands of such ropes that can entangle one in the darkness. And to continue on, so what must we do to fulfill the commandment of Christ, because Christ does command us to give alms, and please the Lord in the best way? The answer is simple, love. Try also not to do anything without love. Then everything will settle into place. And even the question itself will seem silly. And to go back to uh, John 3 here, notice what is the one requirement here that he says in verse 16. What's the first thing that comes up? Love. Let us love, not in word and deed, is what comes on later. It's all about this idea of love, which, of course, Christ shows us first. So he continues on. Then everything will settle into its place, and even the question itself will seem silly. As we know, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have no charity, it profiteth me nothing. 1 Corinthians 13.3 of course, it is hard to just up and love every homeless person, but it is usually quite possible to show compassion for every person that the Lord has brought to us. I would like to share a little practical experience in helping the homeless under various circumstances. And you'll find throughout this article, I kind of highlighted a few phrases that kind of caught my attention going on. And the first one I highlighted here is, do not be lazy. Ask him why he needs money. Normally, you do get the whole story. That's kind of my um, you know, experience with people. Normally, it's, you know, my car's broken down, need gas money or something. But don't be lazy. Ask him why he needs money. This would go back to the idea of you don't want to lead somebody uh, with you know, a different rope to hang themselves with. But give him, notice that they're all, they are often asking for food. This is the simplest case. Then you need to go with him to the nearest grocery store and buy him something. And notice what he says that he hasn't had for many long years. Give him a holiday, as if this were your old classmate. Something tasty and filling, like good sausage, chicken, cheese, yogurt. In other words, something they could never get for themselves because it is too expensive to eat in sufficient quantities. Even if the homeless person was lying to you about, uh, at first about food, he will nevertheless be thankful. Try to transfer, transfer this thankfulness to the Lord. Let him thank the Lord and not you personally. Which is very interesting because when Jesus is called upon, especially in the Gospels, does he ever give them less than what they ask for? What, if you recall the story of the, the lame man who cannot walk, right? And then the Pharisees come and say, who's this man who can forgive sins? And what does Jesus do at the same time? He forgives the guy's sins, but what does he also give the lame man the ability to do? He gives them more than what was necessarily expected. And so it's also in our life. So, and notice he says here, try to see a deeply suffering person in him, the homeless person, 
And if you cannot see even the last bum, in the last bum, the image of God, perhaps very soiled, clouded over, but nevertheless the great image of God, then perhaps you need to discuss this with your spiritual father and pray about it. Ask the homeless person what his name is, where he hangs out, and how often, when is his birthday, is he baptized. Be sincere and kind with him. Homeless people are very sensitive to insincerity. Do not hasten to judge him. We do not know what ourselves would be if the Lord had deprived us of his protection and hadn't guarded us from the demon of drunkenness and other vices. Which is very interesting because also how does, how does Christ approach the sinners, the people in need? Does he just kind of go by and just kind of let them get healed and just kind of keep moving? Think of especially of the story of Nicodemus. So Nicodemus is a teacher. This is John chapter 3 in the gospel. Nicodemus comes to him and asks the question, what do all these things mean? And Jesus gives him the long discourse, which is actually a very nice baptismal discourse about spirit and the water. And then afterwards, Nicodemus is still having trouble getting it, and Jesus is also kind of getting a little tired, you can tell. But he keeps going with that person. He never gives up. He keeps going with Nicodemus. And the same with us. Christian life is very much about relationships, right? It's very much about the community that you and I and your pastors have, right? And it's the same thing even with the homeless person on the side of the street. It's all about the relationship. What's the best missional form that a lot of people have ever found? It's not, you know, growth, church growth movements and numbers and stuff. It's simply having a cup of coffee with somebody, getting to know them, and then talking to them as a normal and regular human being. It also applies to the homeless person. Continue on. The only warning is do not give money for any reason and do not cave in to their persuasion. Those on the streets in such difficult straits, spiritually sick, are in the absolute majority of cases not capable of using money properly. Buy him the things he needs. Get into his shoes and understand his problems. Again, it goes back to the relationship and caring for people, which ultimately takes us back to 1 John 3, where it says, "Let us not, uh, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. It is important to care for a person's body, but it is even more important to care for his soul. Do this without being intrusive. Let your heart tell you when to talk about, to him about confession, prayer, or about God's infinite mercy, about how true life and healing are possible only through the Lord's healing in his soul, which cannot happen unless he wants it. Sometimes a person hungers for this and wants to hear it right away, but sometimes this happens only years later. And that's the truth about working with people. Sometimes it's not as you know, self-evident to people about the Christian faith. St. John of Kronstadt writes about this, Know that material alms should always be followed by spiritual alms. With affectionate, brotherly, and pure-hearted love for your neighbor, do not allow him to notice that he has become beholden to you. Do not appear proud. See that your material alms do not lose their value through your failure to provide the spiritual. That's a very good quote because he doesn't necessarily talk about alms just in the sense of giving to the poor. But alms are sometimes are also given to your next-door neighbor when they're in need, when they lose their job, things happen. Alms are helpful. Alms are the way that God works through his people to take care of others. 
Any questions up to this point? Anything you're seeing, reading, everybody tracking, following along? Yeah? That was years back, like the Civil War. Right. And we're going to get to that. Because that does happen. I've had, I've had similar experience. If you didn't hear, you know, sometimes you want to help somebody, but if they don't take the money, if you don't give them money, then they get upset, they swear at you, they'll leave, you know, so forth, so forth. We'll get to that. But even when that happens, there's still love. Remember, this is how this whole article began with, with love. So there's other ways that one can show love. Okay, you didn't take my money, you didn't take my offer for food, but here I can bring you to the Lord in prayer. Um, yes. Right. And, and, that's, and that's something that we'll address here in a little bit. But everybody else is still tracking every good? All right. Let's keep going for just a second here. Of course, not all possible instances are limited to food. There are many others, but it is all united by one thing. It is impossible, impossible to fill Christ's commandment to be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful, Luke 6.36, without love. Again, it goes back to this point of love. With regard to the homeless, this becomes especially obvious, but this relates to other instances. If you help a sick person, you must not just buy medicine. You can't just send the prisoner a package. You can't just send toys to children's home. All these are good. This is also very good, but without sincere love, this, is all lose, this, this all often loses value, given cause for sin and vice amongst those who receive it and those who dispense it. Medicines can make other sick people jealous. Prisoners can lose your food packages in a card game. And children in children's home can become little extortionists. That's probably true. We return again and again to the same question, what should we do? And the answer is always the same. Love, love for the sake of Christ. Pray for the sick one. Visit him, console him, buy him medicine, and that would go with a visit and consoling. Talk with other patients. Give them little joys and little holidays. And that's an amazing thing. Little joys, little holidays, because we actually see Jesus himself do that. Do we not? He goes off, and what, is Jesus, what do we see Jesus going off and doing all the time for himself? praying. And then the crowds press in and then he's got to kind of come back and he's got to do his thing. But he also gives other people little holidays. For example, how great is it that the Lord dines with sinners and tax collectors, which we see all the time, these people who are considered unworthy, what does Jesus actually go and do with them? The Lord is sitting there partying with them, eating with them, having fellowship with them. So Jesus does the same thing. Talk about God's greatness and mercy. Correspond with the prisoner. Send him packages. Console him. Give him hope and make him think about the life he has lived. Visit children. Bring them toys. Draw with them. Sing. Treat them to cakes. Teach them to pray. Hope and trust the Lord uh, God. And live this way from day to day for the sake of Christ. So, yes, in many ways it's great to be able to send things. And sometimes that's the only way we can reach people. In all honesty, sometimes we can only do that. But again, it goes back to the idea of having a loving, Christian, caring relationship with somebody. It's not just about leaving them to their own devices all the time. Of course, many do not have enough time for all this. There you go. So now, maybe now you're thinking, Vicar, you're crazy. I don't have time for this. And I'd probably agree because I don't have time for it. But in that case, at least help those who sincerely do these things and pray for them with your whole heart. 
which was undoubtedly created for love. I love that last line because what was the heart undoubtedly created for? Love. And we can actually see that God creates man for himself and to love him. And we see that in the garden. But continue on. But never take on labors beyond your strength. Never take a homeless person to your own house for the night. Do not go alone to places where they congregate. Do not borrow money from someone else to give to the homeless. You have to be frank about the fact that the majority of people in this social stratum are spiritually very sick. Notice he doesn't say that they are mentally sick or anything like that. He labels it as a spiritual sickness. And then he also says, then he says the psychological and always physically. Such attempts often end tragically. They are often just the consequence of pride in the neophyte zeal. And the mind of some people lives a myth that if you give a person an apartment and work, he will get better. Practical experience shows that this is not the case. Without peace with God, without a divine miracle of healing of the soul, this is not possible. But we can be God's co-laborers, increasing love and helping a person to turn and face God. Furthermore, it has to be said that mercy needs to be shown toward all, the rich and the poor, the good and the bad. Only we must not indulge mortal sins of lying, drunkenness, promiscuity, and others, and we must approach everyone with love and discernment. He who gives alms, an imitation of God, does not discriminate in bodily needs between the mean and kind, the righteous and the unrighteous. So this kind of goes back, Byron, to what you said. You know, the guy was probably rude. He was rude. But we still love, we still care. Maybe we aren't able to help that person any more than what they wanted, but we still love, we still care, we still hope for that relationship which we can install, instill with that person. That's just, it's the, the fact of human nature, though, that you're not always going to meet those who are, are happy to see you if you don't give them money. That's the case in point. Any questions up until this part? Okay. How do you explain to children how to help others? Right. Okay. Um, I've actually seen uh, my home congregation pastor. Um, it was not uncommon that when uh, he would go, come up to Chicago, uh, his daughter, actually, I have a uh, friend here. We didn't go to college together, but we all have been up to Chicago, up to River Forest. It wasn't uncommon for the, the Pastor Elliot's family to bring sandwiches along, and they would give them to the homeless people, and of course the kids saw that as well as they grew up. So it can be as simple as that, or it can be as simple, you maybe don't have to throw five bucks in the guy's hat or whatever, but it can be as simple as just stopping and talking to that person, seeing how he's doing, if you can get him anything. You don't necessarily, uh, you, know, you don't want to teach bad habits to your children, but you also want to show that God's love and care can go to other people as well. So, and you also want to be a little bit cautious too with children and stuff like that. You want to be somewhat safe. You know, you have to use you have to use your God-given reason behind that as well. But it's never a bad thing to for uh, you to show God's love to uh, the homeless person and for children and grandchildren to see that. That's always a good thing. The kids really, I mean, kids are the greatest mimickers, you know. And that's something that they will, they will hold on to as they grow older as well. Yeah. Right. Right. 
Right. Well, and that and that's true. And he he does mention, especially if you don't have time, or sometimes you 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 just don't have the ability to get to the places that need help. Um, and maybe you live in a place that you don't actually see homeless people all the time. I I've actually seen them right downtown Wheaton here quite often. It's, but if you're in those situations, it's not bad to find a way to help in other ways. Um, and again, it all goes back to the idea of love. And when one loves their brother, according to John, one stays in the light. This is, this is part of being in the light. Um, as Pastor Bruzik's sermon mentioned this morning, it's just what Christians do. This is just Christian life. And it's actually a beautiful thing when you think about it because by that help, hopefully that person comes to a state where they can help others. It doesn't always happen but we can always pray for that to be the case. So continuing on down, in the mind of some people lives a myth that if you give a person an apartment, he will get better. We talked about that. That's not always true. And then he jumps down, if you jump down to the next uh, paragraph, thus in very complicated situations, I've had to say sincerely to a persistent lying homeless person that I absolutely do not believe him. And most of us might leave it there. But notice what he says next. But I will help him for Christ's sake. For the sake of the love that Christ has given for him. It is important that without love, even such a great virtue as discernment can turn into judgment, justification of one's own greed and laziness. We have to pray that God will give us the gift of discernment. This gift is given for a life in Christ that is kind and full of mercy. Um, there's a quote that he'll get to. I hopefully I didn't jump over it here as I'm jumping down the lines. Yeah, it's on the it's on page four there, and I actually highlighted it for you. There's a quote that says, "Let your alms sweat in your hands until you know to whom you should give," which is very important because sometimes we're re- really willing to give to an organization. This organization's great, and then we kind of learn a little bit more about it, and then we're like, "Oh, I didn't realize." that it wasn't as great as what I thought. So always sit and wait with your alms. Be willing to give it, but use some discernment behind that because sometimes it can be given to, again, it can be a a rope for somebody to hang themselves on. Um, You know, it's obviously you don't run run out to the liquor store buy the homeless guy a bottle of booze. That wouldn't work out too well. Just let your alms sweat in your hand until you really know whom to give it to. When going to do works of mercy, we must not forget to pray to God that he would give us the strength and knowledge to fulfill his commandment. This is page three. As is pleasing to him. In general, prayer is an inalienable part of works of mercy. Notice he does not distinguish between the idea of prayers and works of mercy because they go hand in hand. We ask God to give us the strength. God gives us the strength and we give it out to the people, right? It's always this motion back and forth. Prayer should continual part of, of, of life. This is St. Paul who says, pray continually. Without prayer, it is almost impossible to do anything pleasing to God. We can calculate, make agreements, be sure of success, but if there was no prayer, then our works are like a house built upon sand. A homeless person who has not eaten meat for a long time can feel sick after eating it now. A new jacket can become the cause of his getting beaten Renewed identification documents, remember this is Russia, can be stolen by his friends and used for criminal purposes which could have unforeseen consequences. Medical help could cause complications and the list goes on. If we have talked with somebody, someone, it would be good to 
pray briefly about that person, even if we don't know his name, but especially if we do know it. When you approach someone, it would be good to smile sincerely, which that can be very hard to do as we're going toward um, the homeless person. We see them, right? Here they come. They got their sign. Or maybe they're just sitting there, but we got to pass them. And we're like, all right, well, I'm going to look over here and hope that he doesn't say anything as I walk. That kind of happens sometimes. But notice what he says here. Approach them with a sincere smile, which is always good because my guess is, is that would be probably what Jesus would want us to do as well. You must never combine your gifts with reproaches against his way of life, which that can also come pretty easily. So we give our gift and say, well, hey, if you just did this, you'd be that much better. That's not necessarily, we might be able to do that in some ways, but again, remember this idea of relationship. Do you, do you just go meet somebody, a business, those of you who work in businesses or anything, do you just go meet a client and then just start telling them how to do their job better? probably doesn't work out too well. Also, the same thing with a homeless person. So, with reproaches against his way of life, with moralizing and unsolicited advice, you have to help him simply, without trying to teach him. It is hard enough for him, even if it is his own fault, uh, to add reproaches and moralizing would only be one more aggravating circumstance for him. Our job is not to aggravate, but to try to ease his burden, if only for a second. You can only give advice after getting to know and love the person, if he trusts you, and only with prayer and inner humility. So again, prayer, humility, love. And notice he does kind of bring out the idea of a relationship here in that last line. Going back to 1 John 3, notice starting there in verse 19, by this, by the love and the words and deeds, by this we shall know that we are of the truth, and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know by the spirit whom he has given us. You know, there's a lot in here about how to do and what not to do. And maybe, you've, uh, maybe this can be kind of a spiritual letdown for some people, especially if you're like, well, I haven't been doing that. But notice here what it talks about. Hearts condemn us. God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. And that's true. Sometimes we do fail. We fail in giving alms. We fail in helping people. We fail in doing things. But God is greater in our hearts, and this is why he sent his son. And so when we fail, we pick ourselves back up, and we go at it again. So the bottom of page three. When talking with bums, we have to watch that presumption does not show up in our speech. And if while giving alms, we allow ourselves to be high-minded toward the person or vainglorious, this will wipe out our virtue, make our behavior vile in the Lord's eyes, and he will without fail punish us for this if we do not repent of it. Again, uh, going back to, yes, we do fail, but there's always repentance, and there's always God who's greater than us. This may all seem hard to fulfill, but it is worth the effort. 
These labors of mercy are real active proof of our faith and love of Christ. Most important of all, the Lord helps us when we do acts of mercy. If a person sincerely tries to please and love the Lord, the Lord covers and corrects him. Even more than that, he turns our mistakes into something glorious. There are multiple times, and you can count them out in the Gospels. How many times do the, the apostles mess up? Let's start counting. How about the Thunder Brothers? They're arguing about who gets to sit on Jesus' right hand. Okay, one. Uh, let's, let's just jump up. How about Peter? How about Jesus saying the time for swords has come, and what, is, what do we see uh, Peter do? Hey, I got two swords right here, Jesus. We're ready to go. Jesus is like, that's enough. Put them away. Or how about, oh, wait, uh, the whole Judas incident. That didn't work out too well. I could think of others like, you know, the den Peter's denial. doesn't always work out too well. But there's always repentance, and there's always God who even turns these mistakes into things that are teaching lessons and, into, and good lessons down the road. A person, uh, grace begins to transform our souls, and the grain of the kingdom of heaven begins to grow. A person begins to feel the special joy of a new spiritual reality more and more each day. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hidden in a field, that which when a man hath found he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Matthew 13, 44. Abiding in this grace so transforms a soul that work which seemed impossible becomes simple and even desired. And that would be one of my big points as well, it's not easy to start helping people sometimes. Or if you've been, if for those of you who have been helping people, volunteering, we have Christmas sharing here. It's a wonderful opportunity to actually help people in a real way. And people that have done these type of things for longer, does it get easier or does it get harder? It does get easier. Maybe your schedules around your life get harder and that makes it harder. But the actual work and the actual joy of working gets easier. By helping people, do not hope to change the world and all the homeless. Do not expect them to thank you. Do it all for the sake of Christ's love. And again, this would go back, I think last week we talked about the ten lepers, where Jesus heals them all, nine go away, one comes back to thank him. That's, my guess is that's not just a, a parable that for just Jesus. My guess is 90% of the people that we help in life don't return a thank you. That's probably just how it is. But notice he says, do it all for the sake of Christ's love. Do not despair or be afraid if after all your efforts someone turns your arms towards evil. Give to everyone who asks you and ask it not back. For the Father wills that to all should be given for his own blessings. Happy is he who gives according to the commandment, for he is guiltless. Woe to him who receives, for if one receives who has need, he is guiltless. But he who receives not having need shall pay the penalty. Why he received and for what? And also concerning this, it has been said, let your alms sweat in your hands until you know whom to give it. The very last part of this is uh, kind of a very interesting part. And this, this last section here was a margin comment, I'd think, about two, three months ago. It was sometime in Lent, I believe, maybe towards the end of Epiphany. So this is what I'll leave you with. A few words must be said to all those who, who never give alms to all the bums. Considering that these people are themselves at fault with their, all their problems, I will say this, perhaps you're right. But isn't the Lord able to help him resurrect even the dead? Does the creator of the universe, heaven and earth, and all that exists need our pennies and millions? Is it really important to him which pocket carries our $10 bill? 
Or can't he feed the hungry, clothe the freezing, give shelter to the homeless? The good Lord can do all these things, but he has entrusted them to us. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was, I was hung, hungry, and you, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the answer, the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? And when shall, uh, saw we thee, a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Matthew 25, 4-40. And in order to serve Christ, we do not have to live 2,000 years ago. We can simply give a bowl of soup to a homeless person and say to God, You are hungry, Lord. Here, eat. Any questions as we wrap up? Everyone good? All right. So, it's my last week with you all. Um, you'll have a new vicar coming in two weeks. He's a great guy. He's got two little kids. You'll see him running around, stuff like that. He'll be in here. It looks, I'm pretty sure, Martha, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like August 4th, Saturday, yeah, something, yeah, something like that. He'll be in here moving in. You'll probably see him around. Good guy. Um, so, enjoy him. Uh, hopefully, we'll all see you sometime. I'll probably come back through this area every now and then. So, yes, Martha. Uh, if people, th that's right, this upcoming Friday, the 20th, if you show up, I'm starting, anybody who comes around 3 o'clock, that's fine. I know some people have work, so they can come later. I'm going to serve probably pizza, beer, stuff like that, you know, I'll bribe people a little bit. Um, but, you know, that will probably be served around 6 o'clock, and it, it's done when it's done. We'll hopefully get everything in. You know, with my wife with a baby on one side and then, you know, everything else, I, I kind of lost some hands in the whole process of getting ready to move, so I could use a few more. Uh, but it would be great. Hopefully we'll see a lot of you there. We roll out on uh, Saturday morning. We're moving back into Fort Wayne. This will be my last year uh, at Fort Wayne. I'll be uh, ordained and then called somewhere um, towards the end of next year, just like uh, Joe Home is today. So there we go. Thank you. Let us pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you all, and we'll see you at 11 if you're coming. If not, it's been a wonder, wonderful time serving you.